Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Welcome to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, bringing the shapers of the business world together with the musicians shaping jazz, soul and blues. My guest today is Nick Boyle, founder of Lightsource BP, a global leader in the development and management of solar energy projects. After a career in the finance industry, including co-founding his financial advisory business, Think Group, in 2003, and overseeing growth from 26 to 920 staff, Nick took a break to think on his next move. It was while driving around the Italian countryside looking to invest in wind farms that Nick spotted, as he says, a field full of shiny things, my very first solar park. Drawn to the long-term predictable returns of investing in solar, Nick launched Lightsource Renewable Energy, as it was then called in 2010, with six employees and one laptop. They're now the largest solar developer in Europe, having rebranded in 2017 after forming a 50-50 joint venture with BP and they've set themselves a target of creating 25 gigawatt of solar developments by 2025. And just in case you didn't know, that's enough to power 8.4 million homes. Nick Boyle is my business shaper, and solar panels are his business. It wasn't always thus, though. It's lovely to have you here. Um, How does the the person from the finance world convert himself into an evangelist for renewable energy? How did that happen? I'm not quite sure evangelist is the word. However, um, yeah, I mean, it's a question that I get quite a bit. And it's surprisingly simple, the answer. You know, ultimately, what solar produces is a very predictable, you know, the sun comes up and the sun goes down. We all know that. If not, we've got some problems. Um, But it does so in a very predictable way year on year. And therefore, the, the generation from a solar park is very predictable. We tend to sell the electricity ahead of times via our purchase agreements. We sell it to large corporates. And therefore, if you've got a predictable generation source and you've got a buyer that, you know, we know the price of, then that produces a sort of annuity type return. So it's a very predictable investment. And if you come from an investment background, particularly a retail investment background, as I did, you know that predictable long dated income streams are very sellable. So, you know, I got into renewables because solar produced annuity type returns. So if you like, solar was the means to the end, the end ultimately being very predictable, long-dated returns because pension funds will buy those every day of the week. Of course, that's an honest answer, Nick. Other people would say, well, Elliot, the thing is, I mean, it's fabulous to be able to save the planet and ensure that renewable energy is the future. It needs to be the future, and that's indeed why I got behind it. The fact that it does do good... Does that make you feel good or is it genuinely not your thing? No, clearly it makes me feel good. I I think, though, that the mistake that some people make is that they get green business in the wrong order. It must be a business first. You know, if if you're relying on the world owing you a living because you're green, I'm I'm afraid you're not going to be in business a year later or five years later. So it must, first of all, be a business. Now, clearly, it's great to be in a business that makes a difference, but it must be a solid foundation business in the first place. You know, we've got a significant number of people that work with us, you know, who are they're not necessarily evangelists, but, you know, they're certainly doing it because of the fact that they, they, they believe we make a difference. But they're first and foremost very well-educated, hard-working individuals, you know, and, and that sort of is the similar point. So we are a business that is green rather than the green business. Is it, you know, reassuring to know that we're making a difference? Absolutely. You know, at the end of the day, 
I'm not going to get on my high horse here, but if we continue the way we are, we're going to, you know, burn the planet and therefore we've got to do something different. And what we represent is what solar represents is actually the cheapest form of new electricity generation. So it's not like someone's having to pay extra for the privilege of making a difference. We're actually, because of mass production, you know, and the prices being driven down by China, etc., we're now in a position where we can actually offer solar cheaper, which is, you're pushing against an open door then. I mentioned at the beginning of the switch from the financial services world into, into solar panels, and you, and you just said that the financial view of it was annuity income, makes perfect sense, sun rises, sunsets, and all that stuff. You worked with your dad many years ago, and you, your degree was in quantity surveying, mm-hmm. I think, all sorts of stuff. When you were doing all of those things, uh, and then you set up your own, I think it was, a, was it like a corporate finance house? Mm. Yeah. When you were doing those things, did you think this is it? Did you think, I'm in the right place, I understand numbers, I understand how to leverage big amounts of capital to deliver more? Was that the end point? I mean, I'm not sure. Well, it depends. I can only speak for myself clearly, but I'm not sure I've ever thought I'm at the end point. Mm. Um, It was always just about sort of trying to do the best in the role that I was in at that point. So I wasn't looking at step five, step 10. I was looking to be the best at whatever step I was at at that point. But I think safe in the knowledge that when I got good at that, then there would be a natural progression to something else. You know, I, 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 as you say, I, I work with, with my dad. I mean, the funny, the reason why I work with my dad is I did quantity surveying, as you say, and, and, and would rather go to the dentist every day than become <laughs> a quantity surveyor. You know, sat in a sort of darkened room with a sort of a ruler looking at drawings was the most boring thing ever. And I, and I suppose the, the rationale for joining my dad was not this is going to be where I'm going to end up or this is the industry that I'm going to end up. It was, can I work for a while and get enough money to go around the world? because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I'm still trying to get around the world. I've done a number of countries clearly, but not quite been there yet, <laughs> because I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I tend to be the sort of individual that looks at the sort of positive and, and, and tries to sort of, you know, focus on that and expand on that. I then went out on my own, um, sort of left my dad, went out on my own, and then became, I got sort of headhunted to become a member of a, a larger organization. And, and again, they then spotted me and said, you should go into management. So on a, on a Friday, I was a member of a 15-man team, and on a Monday, I was a, the manager of a 14-man team. It was literally that sort of quick. And I, I think, again, it, it's, you know, I became like a junior manager, then a manager, then a senior manager, and, and so on, and, and every year, you know, got promoted through. But again, it was about focusing on doing the best that I could in the role that I had, rather than which your question insinuates, you know, was I on a journey that I'd set, um, you know, a map to get to? No. I'm always amazed by people who say, you know, I always knew I was going to get here. No, you didn't. Mm. But that nuance, the, the nuance under my question is really, you may not have wanted to do something else, and I understand that you want to do it really well, but you may have felt the fuisson of excitement of, I'm doing this now, but I've kind of got a sense it's going to lead to something else. Looking at where your life has gone work-wise it feels like you're open always to the possibility that this isn't the final chapter. Yeah, I, I, somebody asked me once, you know, I, this is the first time I've been CEO. And the reason why it's the first time I've been CEO is not because I never had the opportunity to be CEO. I could have started something on, on my own. But but for me, I think CEO, uh, I sort of make the, the, the point a number of times, is that CEO is a veneer of understanding of, of everything and a deep understanding of nothing. And, and you know, I, I think in order to have that understanding, that breadth 
of knowledge, but not that deep knowledge, you have to, I think, have sort of been in there in each individual's, at least to some degree, shoes. So the reason why I had never been a CEO or chose never to be a CEO before is because there were things that I needed to do first. You know, I, I think there's an awful lot of people rush into being CEO because they think it's the top of the house. But actually, if you haven't done all of the different elements that are required for you to understand in order to do that, then I would sort of stop short of that. So, you know, I was head of sales, I was commercial, I was managing director, I was all these different things. And then it was the point that I sort of said, well, do you know, now I think I'm rounded enough to be CEO. But did I sit down and think, oh, I'm going to tick off the 10 things that I need to understand to be? No. It happened just as a natural progression rather than necessarily this grand plan that I sat down at 21 and, and sort of sketched on the back of a fag packet. If you're sketching your plan now, throw it in the bin. No need to do that. Nick Ball is my business shaper. He'll be with me in, back again in a couple of minutes and we'll be talking about Light Source BP, probably a little bit more as well. Right now, though, we're going to hear a taster from the Michigan Innovation Series, a new podcast on all the major podcast platforms. Natasha Knight invites business founders to share their industry insights and practical advice for those of you thinking about getting into an industry and starting your very own thing, as Nick has done. In this clip, we hear from Andrew Block, co-founder of multi-award-winning PR agency, Frank. The Mishcon Innovation Series. Insights from founders for your future business. In association with Jazz Shapers, with Mishcon Derea. I mean, I've learned so much and continue to learn. I think the time when you stop learning is the time where you need to move on and push yourself further. I think, you know, probably in terms of general things that, that I've learned, it's it's less specific to the individual industry that I work in and more to do with just how you develop as a person in business. You have to learn to overcome failures and mistakes. You have to be able to balance out the extreme highs with the extreme lows. And once you realise you can overcome these things and make a difference and build the power of a network and achieve results, you know, that's how you continue to grow, but yeah, no, I, I continue to learn every single day, which is great. You know, you, you never want to stop learning, otherwise you just get bored and feel in a rut. And work should never feel like work. It should always be something that you look forward to, you enjoy, and you want to continue to progress and develop. The Mishcon Innovation Series, in association with Jazz Shapers, with Mishcon Derea. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You can enjoy all our former business shapers on the Jazz Shapers podcast. And indeed, you can hear this very program again with Nick if you pop Jazz Shapers into your podcast platform of choice. Or if you've got a smart speaker, just ask it to play Jazz Shapers. And there you'll be greeted with a taste of our recent shows. But back to today, it's Nick Boyle, founder of Light Source BP, a global leader in the development and management of solar energy projects. So you, you grew the Think business yep. and, and it went up to almost a thousand people. You then come in, you set this business up, 2010. Growth has been pretty rapid. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't look like that phases you. It's funny. I, I, I remember after Think, it was a definite, I mean, you know, I, I even, you know, I, I, I said this to people, anyone who'd listened, that I'm never doing that again. I'm never building a business that's more than 30 people. And then when, when Lightsource got to 30, I meant 
50. And then <laughs> when we got to 50, I meant 70. And How many now? I think we're about 800. Yeah. I mean, I think we're projecting 11. I think 1140 is the official projection to the end of the year. And across how many different countries now? Uh, we're currently in 18 countries. We've just added New Zealand literally two weeks ago. Uh, we're looking at Germany, which will go to 19. But, uh, you know, I, I think, look, I, I think one of the, the reasons why we're in so many countries, and there are many, many other countries that we will, I would imagine, look to go into over the coming years, is that, as I said earlier, solar is the cheapest form of electricity generation. Even in countries without the big shiny thing in the sky, like the UK, for example, it's still viable because it's about whether or not we can produce electricity cheaper than the incumbent. And, and you know, so there's, it's not just about price, it's about how that compares to the other forms of generation. So I think... You know, for us, it's about making sure that we choose the right markets and in the right order. I mean, some markets are significantly bigger than others. Some markets, we would be a holder of the assets. In other markets, we would be a seller of the assets once we've developed and built them. And again, it, it's from a business perspective, we will build stuff to sell in order that we eat Mm. and other stuff we will hold for the longer term. But a lot of moving pieces, Nick. Big business, BP now as a joint venture partner since 2017. How do you disassociate yourself from the stress that inevitably is caused by a business of this this scale? I mean, it, it, it's it's a weird one because the, the stress question comes out, out a lot, up a lot. I don't tend to bring it home with me. It's not like I have some magic formula for that. I just don't. When I'm thinking about work, I'm thinking about work, and it's you know it's absolutely my complete focus. But you say um, it's not a magic formula. Tell me the magic formula. <laughs> I mean seriously, because if you don't do that, that's fantastic. I, I, I have no idea. I just don't. And again, it sounds like a you know too good to be true. But I I don't. When I'm thinking about it, clearly I'm thinking about it. But I don't let it kill me. I mean, at the end of the day, there's far too many individuals get far too you know into what's going on and they end up clutching their chest at 50 years of age. From my perspective, I, I don't do it for that reason necessarily thinking about that, but I'm not one to get stressed about stuff when I close the door, the business door. And so far that's worked well. I am imagining that as you built this business and you now have the almost a thousand people in it, you have hired well because you can't run a business properly and go home and relax unless there are people manning the ship. Is that right? And yeah, so look, how have you managed to find those people? I mean, it sounds a bit God bless America, but, you know, any business is the sum of its people. And certainly from my perspective, I think that the senior team that I have, that I work with, are fantastic. And, and you know, I'm, I've made this point before about, you know, surrounding yourself with people that are better than you is so important. And I don't mean that in a, hey, they're better than me. I, I mean, they're better at the topic that they are given to control. I mean, my job is is to orchestrate or choreograph, you know, how those different skilled individuals come together as a unit. But they're the experts. And I suppose maybe, maybe that's why I am sort of can sleep easy, safe in the knowledge that the individuals that are relevant for that particular decision have been given the decision, and that reassures me to know that, it, that, that it's been done, not necessarily right perfectly all the time, but as well as we could do with the skill set and the information that we have. In terms of the interaction with BP, big company, huge been around for a long time there's a power imbalance there i imagine from the from the get-go but i assume in a 50 50 jv it's 50 50 how have you managed that and has it changed along the way as progress has happened I mean, that's a really good question and and actually we are a 50 50 jv but we weren't a 50 
50 JV when we did the deal. And for exactly that reason, you have a massive super tanker, excuse the pun, um, of an organization that works with layers of decision making, etc. And certainly our fear was when doing any deal with a large corporate oil and gas, 100 year plus, um, you know, company, was that would... Solar requires you to be fleet of foot. You need to make decisions in real time. There's no chance to muck about because if you muck about, somebody else comes in and you know and steals. And therefore, our fear was exactly that. So actually, in 2017, we didn't do a 50-50 JV. We sold them 43% of the company. So we were the controlling stake. And we made it absolutely clear to them that we wouldn't sell them anymore until such times as we were reassured that they would allow us to run our business. You know, we have an investment committee every week that they sit on. We have a board that they sit on. But, you know, that's pretty much it. There are reserve matters, et cetera, if it's over a certain spend, et cetera, that they'll go up into the house. But they have been amazing in that they have allowed us to continue to run our business because they believe, they've been convinced and remain believers that actually they will, their decision-making, their methodology would kill this business. It's different from an oil and, you know, an oil and gas project will take... 10 years, 20 years, whatever. You know, our, our projects from soup to nuts, as the Americans would say, mm. take 24 months. So, you know, you, you have to be able to make decisions quickly. And, and to their credit, everything they said they would do, they did do, which is why 18 months after we did the initial deal for 43%, it then became a JV 50-50. Are you really critical in this, though, Nick, without blowing your own trumpet? Because the bridge between those two businesses, the, the belief in the founder of the business, the fact that you're running it, I imagine if I if I took you out the equation, as they said in the the, the the film Sully, if we take you out Sully, then it doesn't work. Is it true of you, or is that is that just me getting romantic about things? It, it's probably an element of romance, but there's nothing wrong with romance. <laughs> um, I, look, I, I I think that taking the individual that acts as the bridge out today might be me, but that doesn't mean that somebody else couldn't be the bridge. I, I think they're de- I think Lightsource BP needs to continue to be an entity in its own right. You know, even if even if things change in the future, even if BP was to buy all of it, whatever, it, I, I think the industry is different enough from oil and gas that it needs to basically be, you know, separate and distinct in the way that it works. You know, today I am probably the bridge, but there are other individuals too, but probably the bridge between the two. But, you know, I'm I'm not going to be there forever, clearly. And that's not the way the world works. And therefore, someone will step into that role. So I think the role is important, not necessarily the individual. Final chat coming up with my guest there is Nick Boyle. And we've got some brilliant music from Nigerian pioneer Fela Kuti. That's all come up in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business. But it's personal. Nick Ball is my business shaper just for a little bit longer. You said you're not going to be there forever. Obviously, none of us are there forever. At what point will you go enough? At what point? You said, you know, also early on in our conversation, if anyone maps it out and says that they've got there, that will load of rubbish. I mean, basically, don't be so silly. It doesn't work like that. When will you say, I'm ready and I can move on? Probably at the point at which there's somebody better to do the job. I've been successful in in growing businesses. As soon as the business becomes more of a business as usual and not a, you know, classic exponential growth business, then there's probably someone better to do that than than me. You know, I love that. I enjoy the cut and the thrust of the growth and opening new markets, etc. So probably at the point at which it's, it's, you know, delivering 
not the same every year because we'll still grow, but more the same than 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 new, then that, that's probably the right point. But I think there's also an age point. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, none of us are getting any younger. I always said that I would retire at 50. I didn't manage that. And, you know, I'm probably getting near to the point where I'm sort of thinking, you know, that that will do. Now, having said that, if if you said to any of my friends that I was going to retire, they would laugh. I mean, retire doesn't mean retire and stop doing stuff. It means I don't think there's another CEO in me, but I definitely would want to be on, you know, non-exec positions, et cetera, and keep my sort of oar in, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, retire from light source at some point, definitely. Is it in the next five years? Probably. Would I then do nothing else? No, I would definitely continue to do some things. But I think in a non-exec rather than an exec role, because my, my problem is if I see something that needs done, I'll want to go and do it. And I, I, I need to get to the point where I let somebody else go and do it. I imagine also retirement will be full of other things that you love doing. You have lots of horses. You have been a commentator in the world of uh, eventing across country. Are those things you would make time to do or is that just their hobbies and if they happen, they happen? Or would you be more strategic about it, I guess? Well, look, I mean, I think we've all got, there's a finite amount of time. We've just got to be careful um, what we choose to do. I mean, the horses, that was born out of my, my, my daughter's riding and, and one of them actually is a professional rider. In fact, funny enough, Lightsource BP is sponsoring badminton horse trials in the UK, which is, you know, which is great. That's the, you know, the, the, the ultimate global event. Um, so that's important to me. I like the whole social side of that. I like the social side of a lot of things. <laughs> um, so that would be something that I'd continue to be, you know, doing. I mean, the commentating I did for a long time. I'm now not doing it just because it's far too, I'm, I'm far too busy. I have sort of my weekends and it took up the whole sort of day on a Saturday. So I dropped that. Whether I will go back into again, um, I don't know. But certainly there are lots of things that, you know, you have to naturally put off whenever you're, in business and it sort of takes up so much of your time that I want to do. Traveling sounds a bit sort of naff, but traveling is definitely one of those. And, you know, there's a lot of countries in my quest. Remember when I was 21 saying I wanted to go around the world. I want to fill in all of the gaps that I haven't done yet. I look forward to doing that. It's been great chatting to you, Nick. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to commentate us out as you introduce your song choice and tell me why you've chosen it as well. Let's hear Nick Ball, the commentator. <laughs> Thank you very much. Give it a go. <laughs> okay. I've got to put on my, my jazz FM um, um, voice. Uh, look, the the reason why it's it's a classic, it's Aretha Franklin, um, it's thing, but the reason why I chose it, because, you know, it's hard to come up with one tune, you know, from the many, many, many to sort of choose from. But the reason why this song has always been, I mean, it's a classic, classic clearly but the first time I ever heard it was actually when I was watching the Blues Brothers and and the Blues Brothers I mean again it's a it's a it's a brilliant soundtrack to that movie but actually that was the first it was a coming of age movie for me for a number of reasons the main reason being that it was the first time I ever had been to the cinema without my parents so it was um and it was it was interesting I you know the Blues Brothers never heard of it myself and a friend decided to go in just on the off chance and never realized it was the absolute classic movie uh, that it was. Now, I've made some particularly bad movie choices since, but I like to think that I at least started it well with the Blues Brothers. So, without any further ado, Aretha Franklin and Think. Aretha Franklin there with Think, the song choice of my business shaper today, Nick Boyle. He talked about a business-first attitude and a business-first approach. Of course, it's great to affect the environment positively, but it's got to make business sense. He talked about the breadth of experience that you need to have before you become a CEO and how you have to have walked in people's shoes right across the organisation before you can do it yourself. 
And he talked about really enjoying the cut and thrust of a growing business. Critical if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a lovely weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishkon.com forward slash jazz shapers.